1: There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting, too much noise
2: altogether.
1: In silence, there's strength and peace and space. Imagine, silent
0: forever.
1: The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not for profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and
0: USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Hi, I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett and I designed the Penile Rehabilitation Program to help men recover from prostate cancer. It's an online program built on decades worth of knowledge and experience and practice. It's the only one of its kind in the world, and it actually works. So if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer and want to get your penis working again as quickly as possible, and why wouldn't you, then visit penilerehabilitationprogram.com, and you'll be off and running. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. All the best with your recovery, which I promise will never be as bad as you think.
1: November 11, 11 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. In the pub, in the tab, in the cars. Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today, I'd like to welcome back Anthony and Carla. Viva Las Vegas, part two. In part one, we talked about the preparation for Anthony's forthcoming prostatectomy patient. And that was just last week's episode, episode 112. Today, in episode 113, we're going to be having a chat with both Anthony and Carla to see how things are going following the surgery. So, part one was. Prep, and part two is going to be the rehab. So, welcome along, you guys. How are you feeling?
2: Um, so much better than I expected I was going to feel.
1: Okay, in what in what way?
2: Uh, well, the recovery. I just I feel like a bit of a fraud. <laughs> For someone who had cancer and has pretty much been cured of cancer, I don't feel like I had anything. Now I've had surgery, and I've got you know some after effects of of that. More the physicality of having. In holes in my abdomen sure. from the surgery but I feel pretty normal
1: okay now Carla you've been observing Anthony all the way through the prep and the, the post-op and then the hospital stay what, what's your thoughts on how is this sort of match
3: up with what Anthony's just said yes I think we're both very surprised at the outcome in such a positive way it really it, it's remarkable and I just feel very grateful Mm -hmm. for everybody that has helped him along the way. And just, I think his positive attitude has really helped and all the prep work, all the exercises he did before. And right when we went, or when I seen him at the hospital for the first time, he just looked so positive and happy. Mm -hmm. Right when I seen him, I, I felt really good the instant IC in him. Is that right? Yes. Cool. So we'll just backtrack. Anthony, you had your operation on the 8th of November. Yep.
1: Today is the 5th of December. So we're, we're talking about four weeks ago tomorrow. Yep. So it's pretty much your one month mark. But what I'd like to do is just get you to discuss, I guess, from the day of the surgery, you were wielding, I always say, do your last set of nuts to guts exercises for the pelvic floor training as you wheeled into theatre just to keep distract you. Tell us what you remember of the surgery, the radical robotic prostatectomy.
2: Well, nothing because I was out, but straight after it. Um, it went for about four hours. So uh, my last recollection of the time was about five minutes to eight and I was the first patient of the day and I have a recollection of being conscious again about 1245 Okay. Um, yeah. at, at that stage, I was starting to. That's when I was starting to look for phones and things to be able to communicate with people. But I came out thinking, "Oh, okay. Well, that's over." One of the first things I did when I got the chance was to have a look at my stomach. Okay. And looked and thought, "All right. Well, that doesn't look as bad as I thought it could look." Mm-hmm. Um, I could see basically I had six uh, scars there, yeah, yeah. Uh, including it. And I, I, for some reason, I had in my head that I was going to have a vertical. Um, scar from above the the navel or below the navel or some, Yeah, to the,
1: to the pubic going like. Yeah, yeah.
2: I thought, I thought that's thing? what I was going to have, and I don't know why I thought that, but certainly it's just a horizontal one directly above. It's probably uh, two to three inches long, okay. I suppose. Yeah. Um, and the rest were, yeah, there's, there's four, uh, two on each side of my abdomen and another one further up, which is where a camera went in, I think. So six holes, essentially, but I thought, well... They should actually heal okay, and that was good. And then the other thing I noticed is I had a catheter, and that's a disturbing sight for anybody to see first time around, but, you know, I knew that was a temporary thing as well.
1: That sounds pretty good. I'd like you to just reflect on what that catheter looked like in a bit more detail because I will share with you. We actually had a patient probably five years ago, and if he's listening, he's liked to be known as the bladder man. He was very distressed when he looked down at himself and he saw his um, penis sort of retracted and a catheter tube inserted, but the biggest thing that freaked him out was the white Mm. compression stockings and he felt very much like a transvestite, he said. He he was freaked out by the stockings and the compression stockings and I I must admit it was never something I would have thought would concern anyone, but this sent him into quite a lot of distress psychologically and in the end we needed to give him quite a lot of counselling and he, he was very, very... I guess it all hit him all at once, just looking down at his manhood, somewhat retracted with a tube and then with these stockings. And it, it was very confronting for him. Do you remember anything? No
2: chewy it? stockings. Oh, <laughs> stockings. That, that was the least of my heart.
3: They gave him to you before you even went in. You might yeah.
2: I, and, put on. and I think I'd, I'd had them on for when I had the biopsy or something as well. So yeah. no, no, it was, wasn't even a factor in my mind. But, yeah, looking down to see a tube coming out of himself there. Yeah. And, and just... I felt like an old man. Mm. Like I, I equate that sort of thing with old men in hospitals, kind of stuff. And I don't, I can't even have a visual of having seen that. Just the, yeah. the color of the tubing, everything just looked like you know old mm. sort of stuff. Then I sort of figured out, right, that goes to the bag. Okay, that makes sense. Geez, that's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and it was a little, but it, it, I couldn't say it was painful. It was. It felt awkward. Yeah. Um, you. You got used to it and over time. It's it's the management of it and thinking, oh, how am I gonna, you know, do this without hurting myself, um, get around that kind of thing. And um, you know, you you have got to be prepared to lose all dignity in that sort of situation. Yeah. You know, people are gonna be pushing around and having a look and, and that sort of stuff. So I kind of gave that up from the from the outset. And
1: and do you know why you had a catheter in?
2: Uh well, yeah, because with the removal of the prostate gland, um that well, there's a direct link to urethra from bladder to um
1: the pelvic floor yeah yeah
2: yeah so and that needed to recover so i, I couldn't urinate normally i needed the tube to go and do all that work for me for the first nine days I think it was so to you
1: had catheter in for nine days yeah. and what we say in australia is to not do pelvic floor exercises mm-hmm. during that time to just minimize the potential stress on that join which they call the anastomosis because if we have that delayed delayed healing, it gets something called a leak in it and it just means you have to have the catheter for a whole lot longer. Mm. So we, we had the opportunity to, therefore, let everything heal. You had the catheter in for eight nights, was it?
2: Uh, Something like that, yeah. Eight
1: nights, nine days and 22 minutes or mm-hmm. something. Do you remember if it hurt coming out?
2: Uh, No. I, if I was worried about something that might have hurt or been uncomfortable, that was what I was, because I, I, I had no concept of what yeah. that would be like. Uh, I looked it up. And thought, okay, well, it's it's brief. Uh, But anytime I mentioned to anybody else who had some sort of experience, oh, oh, the catheter, um, it felt weird, but it was a couple of seconds and it it wasn't painful. It was just a little uncomfortable. And then suddenly it's it's out. Oh, okay. All right. And I wasn't leaking or anything. I was sort of expecting spillage and and whatever. Um, That was pretty good. We, We were straight into then putting on a, a pad with yeah. the underwear, that sort of stuff, getting up and I stood up and thought, well, okay, I didn't pour out or anything yeah. like that. Um, straight away I was having the wounds um, dressed, or the, the dressing actually taking off the wounds at the same time. Yeah. I had an appointment with my surgeon immediately after, so sure. I literally walked across the road there getting used to that sensation of not having the bag bag, yeah, uh, and just feeling, all am I leaking, whatever. I felt I probably did a little, Mm -hmm. but obviously I was very conscious of any sort of movement there. Um, Straight after that,
3: we...
1: Did you go to the appointment to get his catheter out?
3: Uh, I did. Can you
1: describe it? Were you in the room?
3: I wasn't. I waited in the waiting room.
1: I always wanted to see what that looks like. (laughs) Because a female, I've had three or four over the years, but our tube is like three or four centimetres. A urethra is guys are 17 to 20. So I imagine it's like, you it's know, a big rope line.
2: Yeah. 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 But yeah, like I, I made that, that noise. It felt a bit like Ooh. sort of thing. So that, okay. <laughs> that would be my description. I, I could feel an end coming out. We I might the,
1: have 100,000 men all around the world doing that from now on, when their catheter comes out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sucking it all in. <laughs> um, yeah. But the good thing then, straight after that appointment with the surgeon, um, we were driving back and actually stopped off at a lake nearby because I was doing my daily walks. Oh, look, here's a nice one that Carla hadn't seen before. Yeah. Let's go and walk by that. And I was able to do that walk. Mm. And it was with 30 minutes or, or so. Great. Straight. So you're
1: comfortable to get walking like yeah. without even having to stop home and yeah. test the waters literally at home.
2: Oh, it was a spur of the moment thing, really. We just, just in going home, we've been walking around our local lake a lot. And I thought, oh, here's a new one that you haven't seen. And she got to see different problems of burgers and ducks and things like
3: that. I think we had to work out some energy too. Yeah. I think we were anxious walking into the doctor's appointment of course. and getting such great news that So we let's did, talk about the news. Tell us the news
2: well, that you got. Well, see, I, again, you've got to digest what this is. These figures didn't necessarily mean a lot to me at the yeah. time, right? I can help explain them. In coming out, uh, the pathology said that according to the West Australian Post Radical Prostatectomy, you know, the Prostotectomy. Prostotectomy. Prostotectomy, <laughs> numagram, the probability of a PSA less than 0.2 nanograms per millimetre at one year was 98.57%. So my reading of that was there's 98.57% chance I'm going to have no signs of any sort of prostate Absolutely. cancer in one year. In three years, that figure is 97.4, and in five years that's 96.3. Now, to me, I expected to have results like that because my prostate was out and in my head was, well, of course, I won't have it because the prostate that had the cancer in it is gone. Yeah. That's happy days. Um, I've since been told those figures are phenomenal. Mm. Um, I don't know that, you know. 90s of anything generally given out by surgeons post-surgery. So he seemed pretty happy with himself.
1: Yeah, it's about as best that we've ever seen, to be totally honest. So Mm. um, in contrast, I had a patient last week who had that reading at an 18% likelihood that there would be no PSA reading at one year Mm. and lower and lower three and five years. So this is all about having the opportunity to have that prostate cancer treated early by the early detection, picked up with the PSA when it's microscopic level. So in Western Australia, we have a very um, talented man called Dr. Ronnie Cohen. And Dr. Ronnie Cohen, uh, he's been collecting the data for close to 30 years of all the prostates that have been taken out across Western Australia. Mm, Including mine. Including yours. So what he does is he actually um, weighs it and then slices it under pathology and then he stains it in three different colours, black, blue, and green. The black and the blue sort of indicate to him what stage of cancers were in what section. So all part of that Gleason 3 plus 4 or 4 plus 4. And the green is often little green dots that are the nerve um, section. So do you have a measurement there, Anthony, of how much your prostate weighed? It's usually...
2: 33
1: s- grams. 33 grams. Oh, grand. Or, 33, or CCs, yeah. Yeah, we that size. So that's actually a really small prostate. Yep. So an average prostate, we say in a 35 to 40-year-old person would be 35 to 40 grams, you're 54, Mm -hmm. we'd expect to be around 50. So the good news for you is the smaller the prostate, the less it's missed. Mm -hmm. So therefore the pelvic floor muscle has to not make up for the deficit as much or the scaffolding that we have to build. So that in itself is a very good outcome. We don't really know. We can guesstimate the MRIs before. But if you've had the preparation of the pelvic floor, and you've had the prostate being small, you've got a good outcome potentially quite quickly with continence. The sexual functions are a little bit different. We're going to break this into two. Can you tell me now, four weeks post-op, what's going on with your bladder? How, how many pads do you wear a day?
2: Oh, one. Yeah? And It doesn't feel like there's any, anything going in there. I just I change it every day. And um, I'm probably at that stage now where I can easily venture out without it. Um, but, you know, you want that little bit of peace of mind and every now and then as, as you get up or whatever, you, you forget to, yeah. to do. And even if if you ever do forget to do the knack, yeah. which I know you've explained. The knack. And what time. is the
1: knack? Carla, you probably know the knack by now. I'm
3: oh. going to put you on the spot.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> lifting the knack is before he coughs knees or... The next, do you know I, that Australian word yet?
2: No, I don't. Know. So it's just it's it's doing that it smallish pelvic floor um, oh up as, 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 as it's standing. So more often than not, I've done it because I haven't had any. Because it's a left. reflex now. Because yeah. you can't
1: do those fast twitch fiber ones. That's what yeah. we got to train beforehand. So for everyone listening, it's generally if you cough, sneeze, bend, break wind, go to twist. But it's the reflexing, the short, quick action that we need. That pelvic floor brisk contraction to fire up mm. and be there to close anything coming down. Because if you have pressure um, that's going downwards greater than the resistance upwards, that's when you're going to leak. Yeah. And that's all dependent on the strength and tone of the pelvic floor. So the nap is what we get you to practise before the surgery by engaging your pelvic floor at about 50% of your effort before you stand up, before you cough or sneeze. with the hardest thing actually being breaking wind Sorry to get a bit personal, but have you noticed that that's been an issue at all? To have a bit of a leak with uh, doing a uh,
2: no, no breaking wind for me was only an issue post surgery. Like it took me days to, yeah. to get that. They wouldn't let him eat solid foods mm. until that time. That's that's standard, and for me, that was that was the biggest issue while I was in hospital. I, the first the first night, um, I, I had an urge to break wind all the time, but I just right. couldn't do it and part of it's also you don't not want to strain anything yeah, the pres- it, i remember standing yeah. with a nurse at one stage trying to go through the process yeah. like surely you have better things to do than stand here with okay. me while I'm trying to <laughs> but I, I think gradually over the, that time by the time i left the hospital i had been able to break them a few times yeah. and, and then it was such a relief <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah okay but so in terms of the neck, that I haven't really noticed the correlation there.
3: I just want to bring up one more thing, or yes, one more I'll things love. about the surgeon yes. we, when we spoke with as well. Yeah. Um, about um, that, he didn't have to have um, radiation or anything afterwards, chemo. Yeah. That was a big thing. I thought that maybe that you know that they might have found something else while they were in there or something, and that wasn't the case. It's a great relief. It, it's it? a big relief. Yeah, I think for him as well. And then. Um, they showed us the photos, so okay. we got to see what the cancer looked like, right. and it looked so small to me, Yeah, where I thought, I don't know what I thought, I guess that it would be bigger and it seemed so mm-hmm. tiny, and um, that he was able to, or the surgeon said he was able to save majority of the nerves, which is obviously a secondary thing to that, but obviously still a, a big relief more than just secondary <laughs> well yeah, yeah. well
1: in actual fact research does suggest that the sexual function is more important to men long term than the consonance function once we have the cancer clearance obviously and and the cure so let's move on to that uh because we have brought it up and i, I think when you get the opportunity to have um someone like your surgeon dr pemberton review you on that day one of Catheter. He's very quick to prescribe you the appropriate medication, a pd five inhibitor called Tadalafil, or it, it used to be called Cialis. Do you have you? Did you start that straight away, or what was the go with that?
2: Uh, from like the next day, I think I did. Yeah. Uh, but I had been on it previously leading up to surgery as well. And
1: why? Why were you on it?
3: Why do you think um, you were pre- prescribed I, it?
2: To assist with erectile dysfunction. Uh, post opportunity yeah. I guess.
3: But they gave you low dose instead of like yeah. a, a regular dose, and I thought he, they were saying it's for the blood flow.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm. So so we have uh, quite a number of different drugs. So in 1998, Viagra was the first one to come on the market, but it has a, a window of about six to, eight hour, six to eight hours of being effective. Okay. And in around 2003, I think they developed Cialis, which had a 24 to 48-hour window of effectiveness. So they worked out that because there's nerve resection or damage or bruising during the procedure, it's far better to recreate what the body naturally does. So this slow-release Cialis is now prescribed at 5 milligrams, which is a quarter of a Viagra. Mm -hmm. And what that does is mimic what your body used to do. So we call it the nocturnal erections, which men normally get 5 to 6 per night regardless of any sexual activity. It's sort of nature's way of making sure physiologically the penile tissue is healthy should I guess fertility and propagation ongoing um procreation pregnancy so without that happening the penile tissue can shrink down mm-hmm. and also that doesn't really help us improve the likelihood of the nerve recovering because we're not giving it that oxygenation that it normally has my colleague Patrick Lombroso referred to it as the housekeeping erections and that for the body to do it's housekeeping, it was five or six times a night, times 52 weeks a year, and you're missing out on two to two and a half thousand nocturnal or housekeeping erections, which is a big deal for the health of the penis. So, Carla, you're right. It's about trying to preserve the blood flow. Like a sea sponge, if you want it to be healthy, it's got to have some fluid in it. And so that maintains the integrity of the length and girth of the penis so that when the nerves do work up, wake up, three months to two years later, whatever it might take, we have um, potential recovery that's going to be far quicker. And we say to continue on that low-dose until spontaneous erections occur. Um, but it's still worthwhile taking for three to six months to optimize function because some patients will actually get good erectile function from the beginning, but we never expect that. So I'm going to ask you, Anthony, a very personal question. Some men report stirrings, like they've got a mimic or a murmur of a slight partial erection. Um, lots of different words, doey stiffies, all sorts of things. Could would you mind sharing what, what you've noticed?
2: Well, high fives all rounds. Oh. <laughs> I've I've been very, I've been very happy with the outcomes. So okay. um yeah, I could probably say there's been nocturnal erections. Already, yep. yeah, um half of the you might call them there. But um Further to that, I'm um, back in the game already. So
1: back in the game already.
2: Back in the game already.
1: Okay, so Carla, over to you for a second. Did you anticipate that this would even be a possibility? That- no, I, I
3: really. I was thinking six months to two years mm. would be really the first time that it, we didn't even talk about it, or I don't know, like like I, I we were focused more on the the bladder control I guess sure. so much and I just didn't even think that was a possibility I, I don't know why I guess everything I read and yeah. watched on the internet it just seems so negative and even though I knew Anthony was so positive I guess in the back of my mind I was still going well what I don't know I read yeah. all this stuff and it just seems so negative like yeah, I don't know I, I'll have to be there for him if all this stuff yeah. goes bad and it wasn't like that at mm. all. I mean, at all. I mean, the very first night for the, uh, the bladder issue, he was dry. So yeah. it was like, wow, I knew that was a really big okay. thing for him. Yeah. And that yeah. was over. It yeah. was like, wow, got through that. Mm. That's amazing in and of itself. Yes. And for now, him to be back to full sexual function, it's incredible. And really, I mean, like,
1: and, and, four weeks and, and, and so I,
3: I'm besides just the gratefulness of all that i do think it's him losing the weight we, we talk about it and we have talked about it many times it's the totality of everything he has done not mm-hmm. just one thing mm-hmm. it's the losing of the weight the exercises he's done his mental yes. positiveness yes. just has to have contributed absolutely you know all yeah. of it so look I, okay, oh, I was, such a great result. I mm-hmm. was
2: confident to some... I, well, no, I just had a belief that, um, you know, in one way or another, I'd get through that sort of component as well. So um, obviously I'm going to see the restorative health nurses as well. Sure, yeah. So I've been to see Kendall yep. just prior. And, and Kendall's
1: been on our podcast previously. People so are Kendall Bell. Yeah, well. and we mentioned yep.
2: Kendall on the previous podcast. Yeah, we did, yeah. All, so I've just come from yeah, that yeah, day. Yeah. So... Uh, and I've got another appointment with her later this month. <laughs> it might be a little bit redundant. Let's go and find out, hey? But um, in my mind, was, look, there's, there's all sorts of things you can do post-operatively anyway. Yes. There's, there's options. There's the medication, there's yep. injections, there's pumps, all that sort of stuff. So whatever it was going to take there, I was happy to go
1: down that
3: path. Yeah, that's great. You've just been open-minded quite mm-hmm. as yeah. 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 And, and you even talked about... Well, uh, the other day you had said you hadn't even taken a pill or anything. Yeah,
2: well, that day I hadn't That's taken a That's a good thing to say. It. Thing to say. Yeah. So we
1: normally say for sexual activity, even if you are mm. feeling like there is a bit of um, blood flow, mm. it's a really good idea to add in that Viagra, that full dose. And Melissa's penile Rehabilitation yeah. Program is all about that. And the nurse practitioners and the urologists actually prescribe that full dose for sexual activity, whereas the rehabilitation is the low dose daily mm. but you can take the two together with your doctor's guidance but are you saying you didn't even need that
2: all i've had so far is the stialis low dose low dose and i think it was actually a couple of days where i hadn't had it that day okay and was still good so wow. know, so then i'm thinking well maybe i not gonna get <laughs> better <laughs> that, that's pretty good yeah. so
3: yeah
1: that's a bit more of a personal question again to both of you there is something called arousal leakage and climacteria. That's mm. the loss of urine associated with sexual activity or orgasm. Has anything like that popped up?
3: Well, you've no. thought about it. I know you've you we've all discussed it before. And I think one of the things he does, he makes sure. I mean, I'm he, sure because of his consciousness about yes. it, he makes sure he urinates before. Yeah, before mm. he goes to bed, before like everything yep. before, you know.
2: But that's it, you 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 that. Um and I have actually discussed this with you. So, yeah, there is a bit of arousal, particularly early on. Nice. And, you know, if I go, and go for a hard one, I, I can yeah. feel, feel some leakage. Um, And that, for me, was kind of, oh, okay. Well, if that's as bad as it gets, mm, all right, so what? Okay. Um, And, you know, and, and through that, if I was in a certain position, like if I'm uh, leaning over sort yeah. of thing felt vulnerable Rabbity. to leakage yeah. through, through that. So that's
3: an, another point to bring up, that he still does the pelvic exercises yes. regularly. And I'd like
1: everyone to continue doing three sets a day for mm-hmm. always. You know how yeah. when you're young and you have your first person, you have a crush on, you put your initials forever? So that's what I say mm-hmm. when I, I give guys my fair, farewell. I give them a, a graduate certificate, which is a nuts nuts to gut sticker for their bumper car, put the, for their bumper um, on their car and then I write forever because I want to make sure that men continue to work on their sexual function mm. because that normally takes longer but we also don't know if into our older age we're going to end up with continence issues which is a possibility We might develop things like Parkinson's and um, you know arthritis we might not be able to get up on our feet so much and the pelvic floor is a muscle that works with gravity so I figure you've got that skill now added in but I'm a really good in. thing to do is Do it at the end of each time do a pee, like 10 little quick ones. And just so that it's a new habit, link it in with going to the toilet even. Just get the urge to go. Just lift your pelvic floor until you hold and get there. It's just a nice little easy thing to do. Yeah, Yeah.
2: and we had discussed this previously as well. I don't even know why I did it. Um, I did do some pelvic floor exercises before any of this sort of happened because I'd read somewhere that there's a benefit to that. So I had some time to kill uh you know at work I was in a courtroom for extended periods yeah. of time and it gets a bit dull in there so well, I'll do some pelvic floor exercise I didn't exactly know what I was doing I just know I, I was holding I think I was doing something pretty close yeah. to what I was right yeah so I, I already had the idea well that's not a hard thing to do
1: yeah um
2: yeah. and you yeah, know maybe that helped a little
1: I'm just the quite, yeah, well. because it's all kind of that preparation that we've mm. been focusing on now we are going to do a little ultrasound examination of you so I'm going to let everyone listen while we do that Anthony mm. so uh, just for the moment, if you could just pass me that bottle of gel. We're going to put this one on your tummy and I'm just going to scoot around here. Carla, you probably want to have a little bit of a look through and we can see how the pelvic door is actually going. So, so I'm not
2: really sure how
1: full I am at the moment. So it's okay. That's so uh, although we haven't got this on camera, what well, I'm, I'm doing here good. is I'm, oh, like you, it, oh yeah. you know what, a, Carla, for the podcast, we can actually add this on as a... Um, but, yeah, opportunity oh, landscape one. Okay, so we're going to have a look here at Anthony's pelvic floor, which is here, and he's blood this black circle. So, Anthony, could you do for us a few little quick squeezes? I'm just going to put a little P somewhere there. Just where I've got that P, that's the pelvic floor rising up and down. So he's doing a full contraction relaxation very quickly, which is absolutely beautiful. So we want to do 10 in under eight seconds, if we can. I talked about that in episode one, one, one. go. Now we're gonna do the long hold. Can you count out loud for me? No, I'm doing the long you. Oh, sorry. We're gonna do the long hold now. Okay. So we're gonna do squeeze, lift and hold. Can you count out one, loud to 10? Two, three, four, five, six, seven,
2: eight, 9
1: 10. And let go. Now, did you feel like that was twitching or fatiguing or anything? No. All right now we would give it a 10 second rest, We'd repeat that 10 times. So we're gonna ask you to do one more. Squeeze and lift and counting out one, loud.
2: two three four five six seven eight
1: nine ten And let go. Now, if I was to see Anthony dropping that down before, let's just try that. So let's just lift it up and pretend it's really hard for you. After three seconds, drop it. One, two, three, let go. Yeah, just do this. So sometimes, when we're starting off this, men can't get anywhere near 10 seconds. So we don't want to pitch it too high. But we start off often with preoperatively three seconds building to five to 10. So the sets are 10 quick, as rapidly as you can, 10 slow, hold for 10, rest for 10, five to six sets a day in standing preoperatively. And that'll be a nice little video for us. Now we're going to move on to the next stage, which is to do sit up squats and planks. So we're going to Take this off from you and then we're going to move to the next phase of our four-week post-op program. Okay, so that's good. You can stop that video for now and then that's excellent. This is so good because I'll now do what I would traditionally do for um, the post-op online. So I'm going to ask this you to try. Where are I at? A gentle sit-up. And if you can have a lie on the head Anthony with your uh, knees bent up. Oh, sorry, can you be yeah okay Yeah, I'll just start that again. I'll just say, so just, I just prepared this earlier for Carla's sake, a nice little towel with Australian Vegemite all over it. <laughs> Got to add a sense of humour. Okay, can yeah, you please get to have a lie on your back? Thanks, Anthony. And this is all taken from Peter Dornan's work. So functional rehab episode 69 of the Penis Podcast. So we're going to pop your hands behind your head. What do you want you to do, Anthony, is just gently engage your pelvic floor and then very gently lift your head about halfway up towards your knees and then just drop that down, releasing your pelvic floor. Can I get you to repeat that a couple of times? And Just let me know if you feel like there's any discomfort there. How's all this abdominal area?
2: Um, I'm comfortable getting to that
1: point. Let's just have a look at your tummy and wounds. And Carla, I might get you to come a little closer. We can see all that in action. Gentle squeezing of the front passage, lifting up. Oh, that's fantastic. And dropping back. We'd like to do 10. It doesn't need to be too quick. And it just is in your comfort level and height. Now, some men will only go a third of that because they're actually not so fit beforehand. But whatever the man is comfortable to do, so long as there's no pain, I don't mind if there's a little bit of um, slight, like stretching or. But no I no. feel the muscles much. working. I can't feel
2: any stretching. Personally.
1: We haven't done anything like this for a month. We'll make that number 10. Good. <laughs> okay. Now we're going to just say, have a rest for a second. We're going to shift you over onto your tummy. We're going to try a 10 second plank. So we're going to get you to roll over onto your belly. And I'll just take that pillow away. if you bring your elbows right up to the. Top because you're quite tall, and just come up a little bit further so you can stretch out. So, you might go flat first now. Come up into your toes and your elbows. There, I'm going to lift and hold, but you you engage your pelvic floor, hold it there, counting up loud to 10. Eight, two, three,
0: four, five,
2: six,
1: seven, eight, nine, ten, and let go. How's that feel? You can be honest.
2: Oh, doable. Yeah, doable. Any pain um in being like this I can feel' not lot pain it seems a slight discomfort I suppose
1: so if there's any discomfort when guys start this we've got two options one to just do five seconds mm-hmm. or two just go on your knees what would you prefer to do
2: uh I'm, up, I'm good for it it's more even being in this position that I'm feeling yeah there, the so. stretching so that's yeah. quite
1: normal for that abdominal trying to stretch all right just start up one more time have a go
2: one two three four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And
1: lower. It'd so a little, more as you get towards the end, but
2: obviously. But, yeah. yeah.
1: So we do 10 of those, but if someone was feeling a bit uncomfortable or a bit breathless, I said start at five. We're going to do 10 sit ups, 10 planks, and now we're going to do some squats. So I'm going to get Anthony to have a little stand up against the wall here. We want to do some deep squats. I'll just demo the first one. And this is to ensure that we, um, get some real life examples happening. So we're going to take the arms out in front, and we're going to do a squat as deep as you can go, and come back up again. I've got my arms here because so you can actually add two kilo dumbbells, but for the first time, we're just going to try it out. If you have dodgy knees or knees, just go as far as you're comfortable to, or you could stand against a wall if that was too uncomfortable. But we get you to have a go. You want to try and get deep down into.
2: So, this will be interesting for my knees because I have had dodgy knees, but being 10 kilos lighter than it was, <laughs> <laughs> I need do So,
1: okay, ready? And then come up. All right, now we're going to make sure you lift your pelvic floor first this time. Yep. So, you tried that, pull the yep. pelvic floor up, gently squat down, and then come all the way up. How's all that feeling?
3: feels okay.
1: So, we do 10. Mm. If anyone I think
2: was, be by the of 10, but yeah, yeah. if
1: anyone was leaking here, I'd say that's normal. And you just have to get used to mm. engaging the pelvic floor, maybe with not so much volition. So maybe just a gentle 30% sort of lift. Yeah, I don't think I have any leaking no. that one. Sorry. So I reckon that's pretty awesome. So if you go to Craig Allingham's um, episode number 13, it's all about the prostate recovery map book, chapter five. And I read that with um, Peter Dornan's Functional Rehab Program that he developed for himself when he was leaking for seven years. So thanks, Anthony. That was awesome. That's great training videos that we can share with everybody. Thanks, Carla, for filming. Okay, so as what would normally happen, this um, session and this podcast is actually my four-week post-doc consultation with Anthony and Carla. And um we did actually have a short meeting a couple of weeks ago just to check in. Um, but today was all about getting back to function and to work. Now you actually started work today too, I believe. I did. Tell us about that.
2: Uh a lot of it was spent telling people how I'm good. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh you know, a couple of meetings catching up with people. So I'm 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 reduced hours, so I'm doing uh four hours a day, mainly so I can get back and have a rest in the afternoons. Great. Uh, I work in the public service, and if I don't get up away from there, someone will call me into a meeting yeah. or something like that. So I, I had some idea. I maybe could nap on the floor in my office. It's never going to happen. I, I need to get that space to get home. And, again, I, I mentioned at the start I feel like a bit of a fraud for because yeah. I feel so good about it. Yeah. But coming home, before we got here, I had that nap. I needed that nap. Yeah. So mentally, physically, the, the discipline of getting up and getting dressed and going to work and all that sort of stuff. Um, it was good, but at the end of two weeks, I'm sure I'll be ready to do yeah, to full time. But I and
1: mean, thank goodness it's going to be Christmas because then you'll probably get some time off for you. No, oh,
2: I'm just getting <laughs> six weeks off, so, so yeah. no, you're not time to work. Yeah, pretty yeah. much because everyone else will be having time off. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Well, I I did have a sneaky um, visit to you in the hospital. First night. Mm-hmm. It was only, it was basically 7 pm and you'd only been out of surgery for eight hours or something. Mm-hmm. You probably got a bit of a shock having a physio come, but we've actually made a video of that day as well. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank you both because you've actually put a whole lot of videos together. We're making our own little kind of mini documentary out of this. Um, we haven't actually had that conversation yet, but what will be lovely is just to put a couple of links for your two podcasts that are back to mm-hmm. back. Viva Las Vegas Part (laughs) 1 and Viva Las Vegas Part 2. Before we round up, I'd love you both to just share some parting words to those in a similar situation. Carla might want to go
3: first. I would just say to do those pelvic floor exercises, do the weight loss, do everything that you're told exactly how you're told and don't just go, yeah, yeah, I'll do it at home and it maybe you do a couple and do it religiously, just like he did. He put an app on his phone, and yeah, I absolutely. thought that was just a great idea to do. And
1: which app did you use, by the way?
3: One with a K on it. Yeah, Eagle. So there is a <laughs> yeah.
1: pink K, and you can change it to a yeah. blue K. There is another one that's called Squeezy. I like. It's just um, apps um, that give you the. But right I thought that being... was very helpful because I don't think you would do
3: it as long. Oh, it, it bugs it, me until I do it. So yeah, yeah. yeah
2: he has Did you pay
1: for it? that one? No, no. Okay, so it's just. A big pink K, it's called Kegels or Easy Kegels, or there's another one called Squeezy, which is the NHS in the UK. So great tips, I think. Um, Anthony was unusual that he knew he had his pelvic floor, that he had a pelvic floor as a guy, so the fact that he was in the courtroom doing them was quite an unexpected for me from what you just said then. Yeah.
3: And the, to get the test early, those PSA yes. tests early, I mean, I just feel so thankful for that as well that mm. he did that early. Because yeah. this could have been a whole different result if he waited just five, 10 years. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Even though they say it's a slow growing cancer and all that, I, I just, you know, I have a son myself. I want to make sure he starts yeah. getting those early in his life.
2: Yeah. And I think for my bit of advice, what helped me was seeking out the help and the discussion early on so I, I actually didn't expect to be diagnosed with it when mm. i went saw the surgery okay so it was a bit of a shock to me on the day of oh you have to actually remove my prostate okay. that's, that's yeah that's correct within days um, i think i mentioned it before i've been off to see nurses about it i started that conversation with people at work yeah and as soon as you do everyone knows someone who's in that situation they don't talk about it until you start talking about it then people did You've been referring people to me as well. as have yeah, been in that same situation. I'm more than happy to share with them my experience. Now, yeah, lucky me, I've probably had an unusually great outcome on this. But why would it only be me? There must be other people who are going to have good outcomes as well.
1: We know we know how to do it well. Yeah. We can't predict exactly what each person's anatomy is like. And that—that that is the most important thing on the day because, mm. as I said earlier, if there's more aggressive cancer, the surgeon has to remove more stuff. That takes away the comp- compression ability of the pelvic floor in the base of the bladder, as well as the nerves for the sexual function. So it depends a lot on how well you go into that operation as to how well the surgeon can perform. Yeah. His part of it, but the rest of it is actually up to you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the important thing there. Um, I think I gave myself every chance, that I got the Tested early and detected early is the, the number one it thing is, that helped yeah. me on this case. So even if you have no idea of any, if you've never had a PSA and you're over forty, go and get it. The worst that can happen is you have a needle in your arm it's for a, a few blood seconds. Test.
1: That's it. It's not finger testing. anymore. Yeah. Yeah.
2: and you know it's likely you don't have it. So yeah. go and get go and tick that box. Yeah, I'm good. I'll I'll see you in a year. I'm yeah, do it again. If you do have it, yay! You've picked it up before it's become a major issue for you. So. Um, yeah, I had cancer and I don't have cancer anymore. And that's mm-hmm. been about a three month journey or four months or whatever it is. Yeah. Um,
1: no, you yeah. So you, yeah. you're cancer free, almost pad free, but not really leaking, but just as a bit of security wearing one. And then you've got your full sexual function. <laughs> that's what we call a eureka patient. Well, yeah. I do. Uh, that's pretty extraordinary. Um, but I don't think it was just pure luck. So I've got a little phrase I, I like to say because people say, I feel so blessed, I feel so lucky. And I say, actually you worked hard for it and the harder mm. you work the luckier you get in yeah. life it's a life life thing anyway isn't it mm,
2: absolutely but you're, you're right you make your own luck sometimes yeah I think I it's bad this.
1: luck to be diagnosed mm. but then you you did what you could to help that be well
2: actually it was good luck to be diagnosed it's bad luck to have it mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah the, yeah, yeah, the diagnosis was good luck and yeah, luck to yeah. I created that opportunity for by going and getting something checked
1: so cool. So what would you like to do with our documentary, our, our little mini series? Because I haven't even asked you that yet.
2: I'm free to do whatever you want to do with okay. it, essentially. So publish it wherever you need to. I yeah. think we've got we made a good dozen or so little snippets yeah. of, of the journey. Yeah. Um, not so much pre, we did yeah. a little bit of pre-stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I did some good little yeah. I, I gave little tips on what I did for diet, um, what I did for exercise how I was feeling after the surgery um yeah. I'll, I'll go back and do another one today about having gone to work for the first time um, and, and what my outcome has been and what my prognosis is what I need to do yeah. going forward then I don't know I've Well you've got a good.
1: background in television broadcasting so you actually yeah. have the skills as well to help us you know put it together and Carla's been an extraordinary camera person awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So I just want to say a massive thank you to both of you it's been an absolute partnership been a joy working with you both and you know what we are going to help a lot of people so thank, thank you for your honesty you. and, oh, and
2: that's that's the motivation I, I would have liked to have had that resource yeah when i was yeah. first diagnosed yeah. so to if i can help somebody by by watching these things and listening to your yeah. podcast and know that it ain't the end of the earth If we
3: could have heard one person say positive things, Mm. just, I don't know, that would have made me feel a lot better and it just seemed everything was negative out there.
1: I guess that's what Melissa and I are trying to do with the podcast as well, to share the Everyday Bloke's experience, to say, hey, we know it's pretty crappy to be diagnosed with this or whatever it might be that's affecting men's health, but tune in for some conversations that other people have experienced as well, sharing their story, because they're Not likely to tell a story, if it's going to be a bad ending, and we have already done over 113 podcasts now, so there's usually, usually an evolution beginning to end. And um, most people can forget about us and forget about this situation and just go on to live a normal life and you know pass away at the ripe old age of 99 or whatever it might be. So, um, all us to you two, and I'm going to say viva Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Tell you about a boy lives inside me. has been there all of
0: my life. I'm Hi, I'm Melissa and I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Just a reminder, if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer, I've built a penile rehabilitation programme just for you. It's an online program packed with information, exercises and advice along with proven strategies that will get your penis back in working order as quickly as possible in about 15 minutes a day. If you like the sound of that, then please head over to penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you can start straight away or there's a link from the RS Health website. We would also love you to review and subscribe and share this podcast so we can help more men. Links to Instagram and Facebook are in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there. So spread the word that help is available. All the best for now. Bye. I've got a boy of my own
3: now
1: It fills me with pride To see him growing so fast into a man His victories become mine